0: And this is what I just want to keep continuing to bring uh, before you guys, is that this is what we together are committing to do as we come before the Lord. We're committing to pray. We're going to be bringing before the Lord those people in our lives that we really want to see come to know Jesus as Savior. And so we want to identify them, pray for them. We're going to be praying together about them, and we're, we're, we're going to really believe that God's going to do something in their lives. Training, we're going to be looking for opportunities where we can train and grow in our ability to share the gospel inviting uh we want to encourage we want to make a commitment to say hey this year i really want to see uh someone come to to just come to service to hear the gospel to to worship the lord and 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 not just say that i'm inviting friends but really pray that that god will bring uh, one of my friends here and um thanks and so that, that's something that we want to be all praying for, that all of us will be able to invite someone to come. And then walk. I really pray that, believe that this year, God's going to allow every single one of us to be able to share the gospel. Uh, With someone this year. So, those are our four commitments. Uh, Today, we're going to be launching a new series entitled Jesus Loves. And we'll be studying the book of Luke, looking at different people that had a personal uh, encounter with Jesus Christ, those who experienced his power, experienced his compassion. And it will be people like the outcast, the, the sinner, the poor, the rich, the intellectual, the hopeless, the helpless. All of these different individuals or types of of people who have come and met with Jesus and seen Jesus really change their lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And And in these things, we hope not just to have a better understanding of who Jesus was, but also who we are to be as followers of this great king who came to bring this good news of salvation to the world around us. And so Luke, as we think about Luke, Luke was a physician, he's a contemporary of Jesus. He was very careful to state his purpose in the beginning of his gospel. And he said, I want to write an orderly account that you may know the certainty of those things of which you were instructed. Luke gives the most complete account of Christ's ancestry, his birth, his development. Luke meticulously actually, if you look at the book, links them with actual historical markers, with well-known events, places, and figures during that time, because he wants to, to make sure that people understand this is not just a story, this is, this is actually grounded in history. The theme of Luke is found in Luke 19, verse 10, and he says that the readers may know that the Son of Man, meaning Jesus, has come to seek and save that which was lost. Now he calls Jesus the Son of Man, which is an interesting title, but the idea was Luke was emphasizing that Jesus was a real historical person he 's not a legend he 's not a myth uh, he, he was the son of god he was god in the flesh who actually lived in a geographical location who actually worked and ministered in a particular time in history and that's really the emphasis of the gospel of luke so i'd like you to turn with me to luke chapter 5 verse 12 luke chapter 5 verse 12 and let's go ahead and let's stand in reverence for the word of god in luke chapter 5 verse 12 it says while he was in one of the cities But now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. So from this first interaction, we're going to see that Jesus loves the outcast. And and in a way, we're also going to see in what way we, as Jesus followers, are called to love the world as Jesus loves as we bring this gospel of Jesus Christ to the world around us. Now in an article in Variety magazine, um, the Oscar uh, and Tony Award winners, uh, Benji Pasek and Justin Paul, wrote several songs for this movie called The Greatest Showman. Now many of you may have seen it. Lauren keeps saying, Dad, you gotta see it. You know, sorry, Hugh Jackman. And uh, there's one particular uh, song that grabs a lot of attention and it's to kind of become the anthem for the marginalized, the disenfranchised, the bullied and the outcast. Is a song uh, This Is Me and This Is Me is key to this plot and the movie's about P.T. Barnum and he showcases uh, like human oddities and freaks, quote, freaks and they're dismissed by the crowd and, and kind of jeered by the crowd including a, a bearded lady who's uh, uh, played by the a, a Broadway actress, and I I'll probably pronounced her name wrong. I should have checked the name, how to pronounce it. But Kayla Settle. And, uh, and, and she sings this song that's so powerful. And here are the lyrics. I'm not going to sing it. Uh, here are the lyrics. So say, like, here's not long- <laughs> um, These are the lyrics of just the first stanza. It says, I'm not a stranger to the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say, for no one will love you as you are. Now, when this was posted, uh, there were several comments or responses to this particular article. One girl wrote, she says, being a 17-year-old girl with Asperger's and having been bullied quite maliciously by others, including those that I once considered to be my closest friends, And having been picked on and teased for being who I am, and having struggled with my self-esteem, this song really hits home to me. Another person wrote, he says, I'm 52. This song speaks to me as I've had to stay closeted in the military, and this song makes me cry every time I hear it. Another person wrote, I'm disabled, and I cry through the whole thing. The actress who actually sang the song uh, and starred in the movie said, the words were hitting way too close to home. In rehearsals, on set, and in studio, she says, I may have gotten through it just twice without crying because it affected me in such a strong way. The words of this song. See, we live in in, in an image-conscious world of of outward uh, perfection. Filled with the idolatry and, and, and graven images of, of wealth and success and popularity. And it, it, even more, uh, we have to, because of these things, you know, we have to talk about uh, the outcast, the bullied, the outsiders, the ones who are, are yearning for love. And acceptance. We must understand the, the powerful message that the gospel brings to these dear ones who are so um, loved by God, but yet so wounded by this world. You know, we may not rub shoulders with many lepers, but, but every day we walk and talk among those who have been wounded because they're not pretty enough, because they weren't smart enough because they weren't popular enough. Those who feel like they've failed, maybe failed as parents, or failed as a, a worker, they feel a, a, a tinge of shame and embarrassment in the presence of their friends when their, their friends boast and speak about all the things that they've accomplished and, and all the things that, that their kids are doing. There are those who've never received the affirmation From the ones that they wanted so much. Never had parents who say, I love you or I accept you for who you are. We live among the outcasts. We do. And Jesus has a message for them. And for us in the gospel of Jesus Christ. and In verse 12, we see that Jesus and his disciples... um, they're walking through one of the cities and a man full of leprosy approaches them approaches Jesus and falls at his feet. Now the thing to realize or recognize about skin disease is that it is a very conspicuous ailment. I mean you can see it in the form of rash and lesions and open wounds and maybe even disfigurement. And and there's also this fear of contagion, you know that wow, wow. if somebody has, you know, skin disease, you know, if somebody walks into an elevator and says I have a rash, all of a sudden everybody's like you know, standing kind of back a little bit farther. Why? Because we don't want to catch it. We don't even know what the type of rash it is. But, wow, don't touch me. You know, not going to shake your hand. Why? And, and lepers, you know, because of this, they're, they're, they were isolated. They were segregated. They are literally cast out of the community. And Luke makes it clear, makes a note, that this man who approached them, he says, was full of leprosy. This idea that literally covered, overcome uh, with this skin disease. And this individual comes to Jesus, and it says when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, said, Lord, if you will, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, there are some very important details to notice about this request. First of all, he falls at Jesus' feet, and that's a a posture of humility. Secondly, he calls Jesus Lord, meaning he recognizes Jesus' authority as the Son of God. And finally, he says, if you are willing, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, this is a heart statement, not an ability statement. Because the leper, he's not saying, Jesus, I think you might be able to heal me. That's not what he was saying. He didn't say, Jesus, if anybody can heal me, I think you could heal me. He says, no, Jesus, you can make me clean. He is confident. He believes that Jesus can heal him. He says the issue is, Jesus, is if you're willing to make me clean. Now, this seems like an odd question because you know, Jesus is a loving person, right? We say, well, you know, if it was me and somebody says, you know, and I had the power to heal and, and somebody asked me, I would heal him right away. You know, why would Jesus not be willing to heal a man who's been suffering, particularly covered with leprosy. Well, the reason is because during this time, there was kind of a cultural stigma uh, regarding leprosy or attached to leprosy. In the Old Testament, certain individuals who rebelled against God, who allowed their pride and hubris to, to overcome their lives, often some of these individuals were struck with leprosy as a punishment or a discipline for their sin. And the Old Testament contained laws and regulations on how to deal with, with with particular individuals who were considered unclean, who contracted leprosy. And through the centuries, these laws of God became twisted and corrupted by man and created this culture in Israel in ancient and during Jesus' time, this culture of condemnation. And judgment. And so those that were afflicted with skin disease, and maybe from very simple medical reasons, it was assumed by everyone that they sinned against God. And that's why they were suffering this horrible disease. And in fact, if you saw a leper, and you could heal them, you shouldn't heal them, because they deserve this. This is, this is God's punishment. If you're, if you're going to heal them, you're working against what God has condemned them to, to suffer. And so in this context, this leper comes to Jesus, and that's why it took an act of faith for him to come and approach Jesus Christ. Why? Because he had been told over and over again, you deserve this leprosy. You deserve this leprosy as a punishment. God has cursed you because of your sin, and that's why you have leprosy. So the leper has no doubt that Jesus has the ability to heal, but as as Jesus is representative, the Son of God, he doesn't know, the leper doesn't know if Jesus is willing to heal him. And as the leper lied prostrate before this king of kings, the people and the disciples are watching, and and the question in their mind is, what is the heart of God in this matter? How does God look upon the outcast? Who is outcast because of his or her own sin? It's not they're innocent and they didn't do anything. wrong. How does God look at those who are outcast um, because of, sin and jesus in 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 his subsequent actions dispels all doubt as to how jesus how god feels you look at verse 13 it says and jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying i will i am willing be clean and immediately the leprosy left him jesus did not condemn he did not judge He did not go along with the corrupted, social, religious mores of the time. He said, I'm willing. See, Jesus' statement uh, represents God's heart to the people. To say God is willing. To say God is willing to forgive. That his heart is not to condemn those in sin, but to release, to heal, to restore those who will approach him with humility who will believe that God is not only able to heal, but is willing to heal if we approach him by faith. See, Jesus didn't say, well, you know, I might be willing to heal you if you do this for me. Or, well, if you prove yourself that you're worthy. Or if you make up for all your sins and come back to me and show me all your good works, um, then maybe I'll heal you. No, it says in response to the leper's humble faith, it says Jesus immediately immediately healed him totally and fully. And so we look at this and we say, what is God's heart? In Jesus, we see that God loves the outcast. And so if you're here today and you feel like an outcast, maybe you feel like, you know, I feel ashamed because I'm acting like a Christian. I'm trying so hard to be that perfect christian to be that perfect parent to be that perfect child to be that perfect sunday school student or or leader or whatever it is but but we're like i'm doing this because i, I I'm not sure. I want God to love me. I want God to accept me. I want people to accept me. I want the church to accept me and say that I'm spiritual or, or that I'm loved by God. And, and God, Jesus says, you don't have to do that because God loves the outcast. We may not be outcasts, like, you know, physically like outcasts, but inside we may feel outcasts. We may feel like, well, I, you know, I'm the only one in this church that feels like I have problems. And so we come to church, and we're like, you know, I'm happy, but I feel like an outcast. Why? Because everybody else seems to be fine. They're happy. They're praising God. But I'm trying to praise God, and I'm saying I'm praising God. But inside, uh, I'm an outcast because because I'm, I'm hiding things in my heart that I'm ashamed of. And we may be parents here, and we say, well, I have to tell everyone what my kid's doing, and oh, my kid's doing this, and my kid's doing that, and they're so spiritual. And the other day, and, and we say, well, because I'm looking at all my other you know, people in the church, and, and, and their kids are so well, and their kids, their kids are doing well, and, 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 and being praised, and things like that. and, and you know, But at home, oh, I'm afraid to tell people what my family life is at home. And we feel like an outcast when we come to church and we we come and we, we show ourselves to be those people that are perfect and wonderful but inside when we're at church, inside we still feel like I'm an outcast because I'm not doing the things, or I'm not uh, meeting up to the expectations. I don't look the part. I don't play the part. And, 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 and people won't accept me. And sometimes we start thinking, well, God won't accept me. And, and I need God to, to accept me. And if I do these things and the people accept me, then God will accept me. And Jesus says, no, you don't, we don't follow society, not even, quote, Christian society. That's not the point. The point is, if we feel like an outcast, we come to God with humility. We come to God with... Um, our mistakes and our sins and our disobedience and we say God I'm gonna humble myself before you I want to confess my sin and 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 I want to just really surrender to you all of these things the things that I can't control the things that that are so hard I can't just change overnight by a word or by a choice it's taking a long time God um God do you still accept me do you still love me and 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 Jesus says yes Yes, there's no outcast here in the family of God, even though you feel like it. There's no outcast. God loves us and accepts you. And, 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 and we, as a church family, need to express also, as we think about this idea that God loves the outcast, and we too need to love the outcast as well. We say, well, yeah, but if somebody came in and they were poor and they had all these things and they felt like God oh, loved them, I care for them, sure, I think we would do that. But what if somebody came in and we looked at them and they said, wow, gee, their kids are so uh, misbehaved, and their kids, what are kids doing? And we say, oh, I can't. Stay away. Or we see somebody say, well, gee, you know, I, you know, I looked at their Facebook. I looked at some of the things that they do, and yeah, I, I don't really like that. You know, well, some things they are saying, and we say, you know, outcasts. And, and we don't love and accept. And not to say we, we accept, like, everything blindly, but the idea of, of the fact that, that God loves those who, who come to him humbly. That We must love and embrace them in the way that Jesus loves. That's, that's the way Jesus loves the outcasts. If you're here today and, and you don't know if Jesus loves you, you don't know if Jesus accepts you, and you've been trying hard maybe to be good and do the right things, and maybe you're here at church, I'm coming to church because I really want to, to, to get right with God, and, and God says, no, the way to get right is, is to receive uh, my son Jesus Christ as Savior. To believe, admit that I'm a sinner, that I need God, to, to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He died on the cross for my sin, that He rose from the dead, to choose to follow Him by faith and obedience. Just come before Him humbly, confess our sin. Really believe in the things that Jesus has done for us. That God says that that that, that these are the things that will make us free, make us clean. The world says, You have to prove yourself. The world says, be like me, dress like me, act like me, show yourself worthy of my acceptance. That's the world, but God says Says, come as you are, humble yourself, receive my son, and I will heal you immediately, and you will be clean, and you will be my child. This is this is the gospel. And so we've seen uh, that, that, that God loves the outcast. The second thing we want to see is the abundant extent of God's compassion. In verse 13, it says, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Now, here's the thing that's very interesting about this this, um, phrase, is that Jesus didn't have to touch this person because we know that there are other instances in the Bible where Jesus just says the word, right? And people are healed. In fact, in, in one instance, the sick person was like miles away like literally miles away, and, and Jesus just says the word, Your servant is healed. And the confirmation was that at the moment that Jesus made that statement, they went back and said, When did he exactly say that statement? Oh, one o'clock? That's exactly when the servant got healed. And so we know that Jesus' word is enough. But yet it says here that Jesus touched him. Now, why did Jesus touch this man? Because um, he's a leper. He's a man who, since contracting this disease, has never felt the touch of a human being. In fact, wherever he went, people were terrified of even breathing the air that this person breathed. They wouldn't come anywhere near him. So this man needed more than Jesus' words. He needed Jesus' touch. And this was the extent, if we think about this, this is the extent of Jesus' kindness as he touches the leper. This extraordinary um, compassion of God, I remember when I was in Oakland uh, coming out of church. It was on a cold day with my friend and and uh, when I came out, there was a homeless person sleeping on the hood of my car now that 's actually very normal. why? Because the hood of your car is warm, and so a lot of the homeless you know when you go to church seriously they, you 'll find they 'll be sleeping on the hood, especially if you have a very large car. we had larger cars, they would sleep on the hood, and my friend uh, was there, and we were like, well, we've got to go. What do we do? He's asleep. So he, he took his Bible, and he kind of nudged his foot, you know, trying to wake him up. And I didn't know why he was doing that, but I found out later he's a little bit OC about getting disease, so he actually didn't want to touch the guy. But uh, for me, I'm like, oh, we've got to go. So I put my hand on his shoulder and just kind of shook him said, hey, bro, you know, we've got we to gotta get going and, uh, you know, give him a little bit, and then just God bless him. And it, honestly, it wasn't really because I was more loving that I touched him. But it's just that I, I wasn't thinking about getting disease or things like that, that that was a problem. But, but this instance remind, this reminds me of this incident um, because, you know, God's love is not expressed at arm's length. I mean, it can be, but really, that's not what God really wants. You know, especially dealing with the outcast, they can tell if you're dealing with arm's length. They, they can just tell in the way we say things or what we do. They can tell if, we kind of don't want them around, or we kind of don't want them too close. And and so as we think about this idea that God is challenging us, and we're, we're talking about mission, reaching out to people, all different types of people, not just people that we get along with, not just people that interest in the same thing, that are interested in the same thing that we're interested in, not just the people that are conveniently located or placed around us that we don't mind hugging or whatever. Um, God is calling us to reach whoever he places in our path, and many of them are going to be outcasts. And whatever our fears may be, it may be germs or it may be something else, it may be whatever, whatever our fears or misgivings are, we will need, God is going to ask us to overcome them sometimes in order to express this love of God. He's saying, you know, no longer keep a, you know, hands, arms distance from people because if we really want to bring them to the kingdom uh, and, and reach the outcasts, Uh, it's going to require sacrifice. And we will find that, and we'll need to pray about our own issues. What are the things that that we have struggles with? Well, I don't want to reach out to that person because that person seems super needy, and I just don't want that in my life. Or, wow, that person's kids are so crazy. I don't want my kids to hang around with their kids right now. And if I reach out to them, I'm going to have to do that. I don't, I don't want that. Or, well, those guys, they go out partying all the time. And, and you know, I just, I don't want that. And we're going to need to, to get over some of our fears to be able to reach out with the love of Jesus Christ, to touch them. Because they need more than just our words. They, they, they need our touch. But so far, so far we've seen that, that Jesus displays God's heart to forgive and receive the outcast, that he loves the outcast, and we've seen that Jesus displays God's compassion his love. So the last thing, the final thing we want to look at is God's calling to his disciples. Now what was, when Jesus did things, there's always an intent. He's always very intentional about the way that he did things. And so the final thing we want to see is God's calling, the calling of God upon the disciples. And this is the most important actually for us, actually, as we look at this passage. Verse 14, this is always a very enigmatic statement. It says, then he, Jesus, charged him, the leper, to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded, as proof for them. Now, a lot of people look at this and say, wow, well, that's really weird. Why would Jesus tell him, don't say anything? Because you should tell people that Jesus, because other times he told people, you know, Jesus you know, healed me, the guy who had you know, the, all the demons in Legion. He said, stay here so that everybody can know, you know, things like that. Um, so there were times when, he, when Jesus wanted everyone to know. That 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 something had happened, but here he tells him, say say, don't tell anybody. Go to the priests. And uh, uh, why would Jesus do that? Is Jesus like trying to be humble? No. Uh, Jesus trying to keep his healing a secret? No. So there's a greater significance to Jesus' actions. There's something that actually very important that is very important for his disciples to understand. See, during this time, if leprosy was healed, which was very rare if it allegedly happened, you couldn't just go around saying, hey everybody, I'm healed, it's okay. You can hang out with me now, come on, give me a hug. You know, Obviously you can't do that. You can't just say, I've been healed. No, you had to actually go to a local priest he would examine you very carefully, and he would confirm that you're no longer afflicted. Then he would legally pronounce you clean, and then he would write it down on record that you are clean so that now you can go to different places, and if anybody had any question, they go, go talk to this priest. He's clean. He's okay. He can come and eat again, things like that. Uh, so it insured against these false claims of healing. And so Jesus instructed the leper, said, go undergo this whole process. Go and Get examined very carefully. Go and and have the priest declare you legally clean and and write it down in the temple. Why? Because once he's officially declared clean and it's recorded, what's everybody going to do? They're going to ask, how did this happen? And the evidence would point to Jesus. And it would be written down. And the priest would have to legally pronounce that this man is healed, and Jesus is the one who did it. The religious leaders would have to admit, by their own examination, that Jesus indeed is the Son of God, that He has come to heal the sick by the power of God. See, this healing was more than just uh, relieving a person of a lifetime of, minis- of misery and ostracism. It is about, ultimately, about the ministry. Of the gospel. It is evidence that proves that Jesus is the Son of God who came to bring good news, the good news of salvation to the world. And for the disciples, this was a reminder that God calls us not just to help the needy and do good things, but rather that all of our love and our compassion must ultimately point to the truth that Jesus is Savior. It's not about popularity or fame, it's not about glory, it's about Jesus and the purposes of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what this is about and that's what it continues to remind us as we go and as we do good things, as we love others, we need to complete that cycle, bring them to know Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God. He is the reason why these things are real in our lives. And so as disciples, we must, again, um, we must seek the outcast. We must uh, heal uh, the wounded. We must go out of our way to show the evidence that Jesus is Savior. And that's what God is calling us to do. Again, going back to um, these things. These are the people that God is calling us to reach. Again, I am not a stranger in the dark. Hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. Uh, I'm ashamed of my scars. Run away, they say. No one will love you as you are. This is the world as it embraces Satan's lies. And we are the followers of Jesus Christ and we have been redeemed out of the pit and we have been seated in the heavenly realms with Jesus and not because we are better or because we deserve it but because our wounds have been healed have been washed our filthy garments have been taken off of us and we've been able to put on Jesus Christ we've been made clean this is the message of hope for the outcast this is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we bring to the world, to the outcast that God is a God of redemption, that we bring we come to God with all of our broken parts, with all of our scars and what did God do? He accepted us, he healed us, and he made us his children. And in the same way, as we go out into this world and as we meet those who are broken and we meet those who are outcasts and we meet those who are not accepted and unloved and and striving so hard to to earn the respect of others, that we go out there and, and we bring this love of Jesus Christ, not at arm's length, but we hug them, we touch them, we love them, we accept them, we tell them that God loves you, that God accepts you that God can give you uh, God gave his son Jesus Christ so that we don't have to hide in shame, we don't have to hide these things, we don't have to work so hard to make up for all the things that have been uh, that, that we have done but we have a, a, sa- a God who has given us Jesus Christ as Savior that if we come to him humbly confess our sins, believe that he is the Lord Believe that he is willing. He will make us clean immediately. This is the message we bring. This is not just the message we bring. This is the message we are. We must be. As a church together, how we treat one another in Jesus Christ and how we treat others in the world around us. And so as we prepare for communion, let's go ahead and let's let's take a time